Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Hey everyone, welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm Sean Duffy along with my co-host for the podcast, my partner in life and my wife, Rachel Campos Duffy. Sean, it's great to be back at the kitchen table and we get a lot of feedback from so many of our listeners and viewers. And one of the things people are really concerned about is the economy and what it means for the bottom line. And it's your favorite topic. It, is, it's, I, I, it, usually, it usually puts me to sleep. But lately, I've been really, really interested in it because I think something really, I don't know, bad might, well, might be on the verge of happening. When I talk about this topic, I usually preface it with anyone I'm speaking to is, I know I'm crazy. I know I've lost my mind. So don't, don't assume that I don't know that I've lost my mind and gone yeah. crazy. But I always think it's important to say, you know, let's bring in some really smart people, people who do this for a living to go, you know, what do you see? And that's why today we have Daryl Jones with us. He is... Uh, the director of research at Hedgeye Risk Management. He's a Yale chap, graduated from Yale undergrad. Played uh, hockey for Yale as well. Hockey. We're a hockey family. We have a we have a nephew in the pros, so we, we kind of. Ninety six went first round, first pick. Eric Johnson um, went to St. Louis, played, got a ring with yep. uh, with um, the, with Colin the Avalanche Hill, uh, a couple years ago, and uh, about a year, yeah, two years ago. I played for Buffalo. Yeah. So, Daryl, yeah. welcome to the Kitchen Tim. We appreciate you joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be on. I didn't I didn't know about the hockey connection, but that makes yeah. makes it even better. Yeah, even even better, even better we have a, a Mexican American little boy in hockey. <laughs> so we're adding to the diversity of the sport, which apparently has been something they've been really worried about. We're not, they are. We are, and- they are, but just so you know, we're adding. So so Daryl, let's let's talk about kind of the state of the economy to start. And so I look at the I served nine years in Congress. And so we're yeah. we're thirty three trillion dollars in debt. Now you know, when we were 28 trillion, might not have been the biggest deal because interest rates were near zero. So the servicing of the debt was not as big of a deal. But as the Fed has raised rates, the the, the amount we pay to service the debt, uh, I think is becoming a problem. Um, yeah. And you have a, a Congress and a president who continue to, you know, not change gears after the pandemic. They've continued on their happy ways, spending lots of money that America doesn't have. Printing. There's a lot of yep. unfunded liabilities that aren't even included in the deficit calculations. And so that concerns me. And I, the, I, I am one who thinks this can't continue forever. This, this dance will end one day. And a lot and of people think like, soon, Sean. I and I guess, think and soon. this is why we have, we have Daryl here to go is, is Sean yep. crazy or could something bad happen soon? 
Dell Jones, go. Well, yeah, <clears throat> Sean could be crazy, but I don't think he's crazy in this regard. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, you He's saying here. Okay. Uh, But, you know, the reality is it's uh, the government debt is a major problem. Um, Two weekends ago, we added two hundred twenty five billion to the balance sheet. I mean, which is just crazy. I I don't know where that money's going. Can you repeat that again? Two two hundred and twenty five billion over the course of a weekend, because you can look at this data daily. Right. And and it would when we looked at it, it just blew us away. And to your point on interest expense, I think that's a really important one. Uh, we did the math on this, and the U.S. government on their debt is paying ten thousand per year per person in the mm. United States. So, you know, of all the things we could spend our money on, you know, if we wanted to to help people in the U.S., ten thousand per person is going to just pay interest on the debt that's outstanding. And that's every man, woman, and, and child, right, Daryl? That's not just taxpayers; yeah. that's every single American. Every, yeah, every man, woman, and child. Right. Um, you know, and then the deficit, you know, is up fifty percent year over year. We'll, we'll probably hit two trillion this year. Yeah. Um, this whole thing is not sustainable. Then you see what happens. You know, the U.S., which is crazy, gets downgraded by Fitch. You know, and but they're right. You know, none of these numbers make sense, and it's gotten worse. You know, unfortunately, with Biden in office, because you've had these series of, I guess, Biden Bidenomics. Uh, legislation that that's been pushed through that mm-hmm. you know, really is just added to the spending, added to the deficit, and hasn't really ha- helped the average American at all. Yeah, I I remember Sean doing speeches, by the way, not that long ago, where he was talking about sixteen trillion dollars in debt, and here we are. First one's like we're eight trillion dollars <laughs> in the debt. Then it was like sixteen, and it was like his mind was you know exploding, and you know is he giving this speech at the RNC convention, and here we are. At 33 trillion. Here's one of the things that I've been thinking about, Daryl, which is that, yep. you know, there's the financial stuff and then there's the political stuff. And I'm afraid that leading up just to this next presidential election, that this administration, because they can't afford to let us go into reset session before, because that will bode very badly for them at the ballot box, that they might be doing some other stuff that we might that might make things worse, you know, post-election for the situation we're in. Do you understand? I'm not, I'm probably not speaking. Am I crazy? Are they juicing the numbers? Are they juicing things up, printing? I don't know what they might be doing, but they might be doing something to make things look better before the election. And we'll pay for that later. If if, if you sort of look at this objectively, and and we try to be sort of not Mm non-political in all this, but. Please don't be political about it. We're talking numbers here. Yeah, you know, the fact that, you know, let's let's just say by and large, the economy has been OK this year. Employment's low. Inflation has been, cut, been coming down. There are a lot of negative things, too, which we can get into. But if we assume that's the base case right now, I think it's going to get worse. But right now, the economy is OK. Why are we spending so much? Right. It makes no mm-hmm. sense. You know, we, we shouldn't be you know, the deficit shouldn't be up 50 percent in a good economy. Uh, we shouldn't be adding 225 billion over a weekend to the, you know, U.S. federal government balance sheet. So, I think you're spot on here. And, and the concern here is that, as we head into the election, you know, to your point, juicing the numbers, trying to keep employment low, that this spending just accelerates, and you know, this whole debacle of the U.S. federal government's balance sheet, income statement just deteriorates. And then, you know, we get get to the election, and we're in a 
even much worse spot then. Right. So I, I think you're spot on about thinking about this. So, so Daryl, I think uh, so many Americans, I guess in my lifetime, we've only been a global power, right? We are, you know, we've, we, we shared it with the old Soviet Union and then it was just America. The dollar has been king, you know, since World War II. And we don't know any other world. And I think, you know, if, if the dollar is the reserve currency, I think we've abused that somewhat. And so if, if, these changes start to happen. If we see this play out, and by the way, I hope I, I hope this doesn't happen. I love America. I love the dollar. I love our economy. But if it does play out in a way that's not positive for our economy, how does that happen? Once what, what do you, if you look in your crystal ball, what do you see on the horizon for us? Well, so I, I think in, in the short run, what, what will drive currencies and the strength of the currencies is interest rates. And again, you know, that's another topic to get into as well. But you know, as long as we're or our Federal Reserve is more hawkish or intent mm-hmm. on keeping rates high or raising rates, all things being equal, the dollar will probably remain strong or even get stronger. But over the long run, you know, the issue is, um, you know, we th- this interest, the interest payments the government has to make, the deficit is totally unsustainable. So we're going to fast forward a couple of years and whoever's in power then is going to realize we can't keep spending like this. We can't keep paying this, you know, this interest. Rates are going to have to, you know, to come low fast. It's, you know, just to sort of maintain the U.S. balance sheet. And the impact on that, I think, has the potential to be a very weak dollar. So you have that component where they just can't keep rates up. They're going to have to drop rates faster than other countries. It's going to lead to a weak dollar. So if we, if we yeah. tip into a recession, starts to get worse, they're going to have to lower rates to try to juice the economy. Is that what is that what we're talking about? Well, yeah, I think there's that as well. Uh, but what what I'm really saying is, at some point, you know, this idea of paying ten thousand per person in the U.S. on interest payments only on federal ah. debt is unsustainable. So, so at some point, rates are going to have to come down just to make. The numbers work for the federal budget effectively, but 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 Joe, can't, that, sorry, you know, can't, can't we, we can just print money, right? You got you got a printing press there. If you can print money, you monetize your debt, <laughs> well, right? And you, then then we see inflation yeah. continue to rage. Yeah, well, that's you know, unfortunately, what the problem is. You know, that's why we're where we're at. I mean, you know, we 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 just you know we you know we went into the pandemic. Obviously, we had to do something, but we continued to print, right? And then we entrenched inflation into the economy. Um, you know, inflation has come down, but even today, CPA, CPI came out and it's still, um, you know, aside from the recent peak in the last year, it's still at 32 year highs, right? Was it five, so, five, 5% today? 0.5? Uh, it was, uh, 4.2, I think. But, um, you know, if you, you know, if you forget about sort of the last two years, the last time we'd seen a level that high was, I think, 1990. Yeah. Yeah. That just gives you the historical context. And, you know, the problem was, you know, we kept rate, you know, we, we, we put too much stimulus, too much money into the system for too long after the pandemic. And now inflation's entrenched. Meanwhile, you know, everybody in DC was telling us that inflation was transitory, right. Right? <laughs> which of course it wasn't. Right. No, it was not. No, it was not. Um, so my concern as well is that I see what's happening geopolitically. I'm sure you look at these things as well. Um, yeah. You know, there is a possibility that we could be drawn into yet another war, which, by the way, would probably encourage China uh, to go into Taiwan, which could be another war. So I don't see a lot of end 
to the spending. And uh, Sean, I've talked about this before. He, uh, you know, the USSR, you know, collapsed really under the weight of its own debt. Um, it, it couldn't keep up. It was spending more than it could and could afford. And we're certainly in that situation um, as an overexpanded empire. But let's just bring this right down to like the kitchen table, right? Like the people listening, they don't speak in the kind of jargon that, you know, you and your colleagues speak in. So yeah. what we don't I I don't see an end to this spending. I certainly don't see an end to the spending, you know, get go, leading up into the election, because I think there's a lot of people in charge who are worried about the economy collapsing or having any problems before then. So what should the average person be thinking about for their family right now? How should they prepare? And I hate adding a second question, but maybe you should answer the second question first. Take me past the election. Do you think there's a, a like a, um, a collapse? I mean, you say short term, long term. What does that mean? Like, what and, and what would happen? Well, I, I think um, I'll, I'll start with sort of what families should be thinking about. Um, you know, I think families need to be very conservative right now. Um, mm. You know, we see a, a real risk of uh, you know an extended recession, um, and in a scenario like that, stocks don't do very well. Bonds, which have been a disaster, may actually outperform. But I, th I think as a family, you want to be conservative. The one benefit of higher interest rates now is that you can basically put your money in T-bills and get five plus percent. Not a great return, but it's a pretty safe return um, for now anyway. But you know, I think the message to any family out there is like, it's not the time to speculate. It's the time to preserve capital, save, you know, try to hit singles and doubles. Um, you know, That's kind of the environment we're in especially if we go into the recession that we think is coming, um, because then, you know, a lot of the returns from the stock market, you know, could be very negative as well. And you see that recession coming after the election? I, you know, it, it, it likely happens um, going into next year. That's sort of what our models are predicting right now. I do think you hit on the wild card, though, and, and we've seen this throughout this year, which is the government spending component. Um, government spending, you know, ha has been a key reason that GDP has been better better than expected this year. So to your point, if they can continue to juice the G part of GDP, you know, I, I think that, you know, maybe saves us from going into a recession, but then post a lot, all it really does is push it out and probably deepen Deepen it. Will eventually happen, and right? and I, that, that's a little more unlikely with the Republican House. Obviously, House Republicans yep. have some problems uh, as we watch right. play out on our television screens. They don't have a speaker right now. Um, yeah. and, but they're they're focused on not juicing the number. They are at least to some extent trying to decrease yeah. the number, and and how successful they are will be of interest. So, if someone is trying to preserve wealth, if they have a little something, right? And normally the advice is, you know, put it in. The, if I talk to Larry Cudlow, Larry be like put it in the stock market. You're right. You might go down in the next four years, but if your horizon is you know, 15, 20, 25 years, you're going to be fine. But if, if you have a little further horizon, if not the stock market, are you saying bonds? Um, and again, just and I'm going to be really honest about what we do. Like we've, we're have we in the market. Um, we, we try to preserve some cash, but I've got Rachel to buy into a gold. And so we, we bought gold and silver. Yeah, he's turning into one of those. Yeah. I've got crypto, Carol. <laughs> I've got my, I've got crypto as well. I'm like, I'm trying to play all the odds. I think property is important as well, but I'm trying to play all these different yeah. odds. I don't know if it's, I'm not talking about huge, huge numbers, but 
as a percent yeah. for our family. I, I think, you know, if I don't really trust where the dollar is going, I don't trust the government. Um, what, have, what have been historic, you know, preservations of wealth and gold and silver has been one. We don't know how crypto is going to play, but um, I'm taking a risk on that. What is your thought? Um, well, I think, um, you know, crypto, I think, just starting with crypto. Crypto, I think, is fine if it's a small percentage of your portfolio. Yeah. Right? It's a very volatile asset. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. I've it's been good. I've been advocating yeah. for that we bleep, as well. Let's we're going to edit bleep him out. I'm going to bleep Daryl yeah. out. <laughs> Thank you, Daryl. Well, I, I like I, this guest. I, I, get, mm-hmm. I, I get that there are people that really believe in sort of the f- philosophy behind crypto and how it kind of takes the government out of things to yeah. totally buy that. But you also have, have to look at the characteristics of, of what it is. You know, it's very volatile, prone to drawdowns. Yeah. I do like that for Bitcoin in particular, there's a limited supply. Yep. So that in theory has an offset against inflation. But yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think there are two things. If, if you're th- saying longer term, 20, 30 years, you know, then I do, do think it's sort of diversity, right? Real estate's a great one. Real estate's probably overvalued right now, yeah. but mm-hmm. you know, and you, interest you sort of invest in a little, little bit of everything. Um, you know, if we go into a recession, what what will work? You know, if we think we're going to have a couple of years of really subpar growth, then it's high yielding cash. It's probably treasuries, which um, have been absolutely crushed. Right? You know, the, I think they're going to be down for three years in a row for the first time ever. But in a recession rates should come down and, you know, treasuries could be one of your best performing assets, even though everybody hates them right now. Um, and then, you know, we actually do like some commodities like, you know, oil in particular, um, you know, oil, you know, inventories are, are, are very low in the U.S. Um, part of this is because the Biden administration decided to draw down on, on, on the strategic petroleum reserve and they're also de-incentivizing, you know, energy companies to explore and produce more oil. So that dynamic's not great for people that have to pay for gasoline, but it's probably a good dynamic if you want to invest in energy. So are you talking oil? Uh, you, 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 you said oil companies, or yeah, yeah. Uh, right, right now we're we like both oil companies and the commodity. Okay, both. Um, okay. And again, I think a lot of this is is just due to dynamics yep. that have developed from legislation, right? Oil companies are just exploring and producing less. You know, they're less incentivized yeah. to do so. Uh, and but as a result of that, you know, the U.S. is becoming shorter and shorter of oil. And then, you know, the strategic petroleum reserves, I think, at a forty or forty-five year low. So we have no excess supply either. And you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know that you're a real estate expert, but just you, you, you follow trends in the economy. Yeah, it's fascinating how. Yeah. Uh, home prices, real estate prices have remained incredibly high, all yeah. the while interest rates have risen. And normally when rates rise, the price of homes will fall. That hasn't happened. A lot of people have said, well, there's there's not a good supply on the market right now because if you have a 3% mortgage on your home, oh, and if you go. sell your home, yeah. you get rid of that 3% mortgage and the next home you buy, if you if you have to take a, a loan out, you're going to be paying seven and a half, eight percent on that on that debt. And so a lot of people are holding on to their onto their properties. I don't know if you disagree with that assessment. Tell us what your assessment is. One, but two. Yeah. What do you see happening in real estate? Is this going to break at some point? Are real estate prices coming down? Yeah, I think you know what the the, the resilience of home prices has really surprised me. Yeah. And to your your point, it's it's mostly because supply is so low. And 
there are two components to that. One, supply is just low. The other, to your point, is people don't want to sell because where do they move to? Yeah. Right. But I do think I, I do think it's actually you know a favorable tailwind uh, for for housing that supply is low, just on a on a gross basis. Um, the risk for real estate really is that rates stay higher for a lot longer than we expect. And then we go into a recession, at which point people are going to be forced to sell. Mm-hmm. And that's where you kind of get the correction in home prices. Because at the moment, you know, on a, you know, real estate is basically as exp- for, for buyers anyways, as expensive as it's ever been in the U.S. And, you know, so you have this really tough dynamic where the supply side is actually very solid, unlike in 2008, but the demand side, you know, uh, more, uh, mortgage uh, applications for purchase are, are running it down 22% year over year. Again, they're close to 20, 30 year lows. So the demand side's very weak. Can I, I don't so, know. But there's, but there's, no, no, you, no, no, you go ahead. No, I was gonna say, I, I hear, I've heard some people talk, Daryl, about like rates yeah. are too high. They need to get a house. They need, you know, and they have it saved yeah. up a little bit. And they're like, rates are too high. I'm going to wait for rates to come down. Um, I don't know what you think about this, but if you find a house you like, buy it. Yeah, you might be paying 7.5%. To your point, rates may go up, but if rates go down, you always have the option to refinance your loan to go get that lower rate. You're going to pay a little bit, but you can get a lower rate in the future. But if you need the house, you got some kids and you find a place you like that you can afford, don't wait on rates, get it and refinance later if they come down and lock in the rate today, which might appear to be really low three years from now, to your point. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think with a house, which is a long-term asset, it's really hard to time it. Yeah. You know, av- avoiding bubbles, right? Like right. 2008, that's an obvious one. I wouldn't say that we're in a bubble right now. I would just say the housing mar- market is really expensive because of rates, right? But su- the supply side, which is maybe more important, you know, we're in a really good spot with that. But if you're somebody who, say, has a bigger house and really believes that, you know, you have the ability to downsize, um, because you really, you, you want to conserve. Um, I'm also thinking about, you know, people who are, you know, retired and go, you know what? I can empty sell- nesters. You're at, they're empty nesters. I can sell my house now while it's high and I can downsize. Is this the time to do that? I, yeah, I, I think it is a, you know, it, it's a good, you good time to, to sell. Um, although I think it's becoming, over the last couple of months, less of a good time to sell. You know, you're you're starting to see, um, you know, cancellations of, of purchase contracts spike, mm. etc. So, you know, this summer, this spring, probably one of the best times to sell ever. Now a little less so, but again, you don't have a lot of competition because inventory is low. So, Daryl, I mean, I I would take that. I think that's a good trade, though. You know, if you have a big house, you're thinking about retiring, and then you downsize. Can I tell you something that we we've been hearing a lot? This sort of like we have our own focus group with you know people we we who watch our show, who who reach out to us, um, and and just people we know as well. I'm hearing so many people saying, "I want to live on a farm, on a homestead. I want to." combine my resources with my family and we're going to buy a plot of land. And, but if we put it, all of our stuff together, it's actually more affordable and we're all together. They also want to move out of blue areas. And there's a lot of political reasons for that. Um, and, and move to low tax state and homestead. 
and, you know, or at least have that homestead lifestyle, right? Where you're all together and pooling resources as a, as a family tribe. Are you, I, I know that's kind of, you're probably at some super macro level. I don't know if you have any comments on that or any thoughts on that or what you're seeing. Well, I do think it sounds pretty idealistic, you know, just kind of retiring, living on a farm and mm -hmm. you know, collaborating with people. Um, I don't know that that's really a trend we've seen or, or looked at. It makes sense to me because, you know, one big thing is just, you know, the inflation of food, right? Yeah. So yeah. if you can do something and collaborate with people, like I was just looking at the, uh, uh, at the CPI report today, you know, which is the monthly inflation report, uh, year over year bread, white bread's up 8%, mm -hmm. steaks are up 9%, uh, frozen vegetables up 12%, cookies, which my daughter loves up 7%. So, yeah. You know, I, I do think, you know, to me, it's a trend that makes sense because your, your basic, the basic things you need every day are, are becoming so expensive that if you can simplify your life, collaborate with people, produce things yourself, mm -hmm. you probably really improve your day to day a lot. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Since the 1970s, working-class Americans and U.S. investors who saved wealth in dollars have seen the dollar lose over 80% of its purchasing power. In contrast, investors who diversified their cash into gold saw gold appreciate over 5,000%. For Americans who invested $50,000 in gold when America left the gold standard in the 70s, their gold is worth more than $2.5 million today. While gold carries no guarantees and past performance does not equal future results, investors who do their own research will see that gold's performance over this time span is what gold has consistently done in the face of eroding paper currencies. For over 15 years, St. Joseph Partners has built its business with a singular focus on helping investors diversify their wealth and protect their families in physical gold and silver you hold in your hand. Don't let your hard-earned savings go unhedged. Call St. Joseph Partners or go to our joint website, kitchengold.net, not .com. That is kitchengold.net and protect your wealth. You know, Keep Dar an eye out for that, Daryl. I know you have a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, you know, data points, but I'm telling you, I'm onto something. I'm hearing it everywhere. Well, in fact, Sean is going this weekend um, for his business show. He's going to a homestead conference hey, i mean there, there are these massive so conferences fox business the bottom line 6 p 6 p.m to 7 eastern uh we're, we're gonna go so there's these homestead conferences where it's like all the things your grandmother or your parents would have taught you yeah. 80 years ahead. ago yeah how do you can how do you grow vegetables yeah. how do you slaughter a peg uh like all the crazy stuff that we used to know off the farm they're actually doing these conferences people are flooding in and trying to learn these skills that have been, for the most part, lost, you know, generationally. Um, you know, I, I think it's just, I want to go back to, to, the, to, the, to, a, to a macro level with you because, um, I, and again, I, I, I love my country. I, I, love, I love who we are. I love what we represent in the world. I love that we've given freedom and democracy and free enterprise to the world and has, has lifted people out of poverty. But as I look at the infiltration of these leftist Marxist ideas uh, in our classrooms that has brought it to the boardrooms, um, C-suites across America, um, I, I'm really concerned. And so I, I quest, I, 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 I'm not saying I'm not bullish, but I am far less bullish on America because, and again, I served in Congress, as I told you, um, yeah. I don't see the political will from members of Congress and they don't have the political will to fix the problems that we face. 
because the American people aren't going to push them to fix the problems. They're going to want easy solutions to the problems that they helped create with this massive spending. You, I usually, we used to talk about, you know, with, with uh, former speaker Paul Ryan, you can grow your way out of this debt. If you kept spending, you can grow your way, you know, to, to manage it. Well, this is so damn big, Daryl. I don't know how you, 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 you got to reduce your spending. You got to grow. Yeah. Um, and I don't see, well, I don't see that the, the politicians and the American people want that. And so it's only going to get worse, which makes me less bullish on the future just because of that reason alone. Uh, I'm going to give you an example of how, how, how bad it's gotten. I don't know if you guys read The Economist, but the, the, the title page of The Economist this week was uh, Europe should not copy Bidenomics. <laughs> so The Economist is basically giving advice to, you know, what I think by and large are a lot of socialist type economies not to follow the economic policies yeah. of the U.S. Good advice. Because the U.S. is spending more. And the economist is no right wing. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, that that's kind of the, the state we're in. Yeah, I mean, I think it is concerning. I mean, to me, um, you, you need to put more hand, you know, more money in the hands of the people. Of and course. I think a big component of that is tax cuts, forms of tax cuts, incentivizing small businesses. You know, the, the one survey we look at uh, frequently is small business uh, optimism. Small business optimism has basically been at a recessionary level for two years. Yeah, of course. Um, so small businesses across America have the worst outlook of almost sort of anybody. Yeah. You know, that to me is really discouraging and disheartening. But I, I think it's intentional, is, by the way. I, I don't, I, it, yeah. it never made sense to me, Daryl, why during the pandemic, um, there was, you know, allowances for businesses to stay open if they were big box corporates, uh, you know, businesses and the kind yeah. of, you know, oppression, seriously, that so many small businesses were facing from their own government. And I, I feel like it was I, I, there's no explanation for it other than that it felt really intentional. If you talk to small business owners, they feel that way, too. And I, I think it's just they're the wiliest um you know, are least easy to control group are people who are independent minded, have, you know, their own business. And I think it's intentional, but I don't know. I mean, I yeah. know you don't like to get political, but you can if you want. You yeah, can. I mean, it, it, it was either intentional or it was what I guess the government thought was the easiest thing to do, just give more money to big companies. But, you know, really, we're now seeing the after effect of that, which is small businesses are not confident and how can America grow if the small businesses aren't confident in the future? What could happen if we did, like, give us a worst case scenario for, for people who don't know what it means to, like, have, describe what is that worst case scenario and then what the effects are. So people kind of understand, you know, Sean said there's not the will, but maybe if they saw through that, you know, um, you know, th through the... Um, Prism, yeah, here, to, so they can yeah. see into the future, you know, uh, what that could look like. Maybe they would have more of a will. I think the worst case scenario um, over the next few years is, you know, stagflation, like really deep stagflation where inflation stays high, continues to grow, but uh, economic activity actually slows and maybe meaningfully. Um, that squeezes, you know, at the average America, American like nothing you've ever seen, right? Mm. 
they they're getting paid less they lose their jobs but at the same time every time they go to the store the gas station prices are higher and higher you know this gets us back to you know the kind of 80s when volcker had to raise rates into double digits and you know that's just a really bad scenario for you know almost everybody except for the wall probably the wall street elite you know mm-hmm. who are going to win in any type of scenario because they they control the casino yeah but yeah this is this situation where we continue with government spending to perpetuate inflation but growth doesn't come along with it you know it's just going to crush the average american yeah you know daryl you you mentioned the the consumer price index the cpi number um you said it's not going to go back to what it was um what 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 two years ago when it was eight nine percent but if if you add up uh all of um the inflation under joe biden i think the number is 18 percent in total Yep. Prices have gone up. Yep. And I'm going to tell you, we have, we have nine kids. Um, seven of them are still in the house. Two, well, sometimes three are under the house when <laughs> they're in college. But we, so we buy for a lot of kids. And I go to the grocery store and I like. No way. It is, it is not. I would love if it was 18% in the grocery store, Daryl. I'm like, my, I look at my bills. I get, yeah. I spent a hundred bucks and I'm like, I got two bags of stuff. I'm like, what, what has happened? So, I don't know how, if they're cooking cooking the numbers. I agree with that. I totally agree Most Americans with that. like us are like, that is, yeah. I wish it was 18%. Um, number one, yeah. on the debt side, I would feel a lot better if, when you're in a hole of $33 trillion in debt, stop digging, stop going deeper in debt. When I, I remember when we, we were running uh, deficits of $750,000 a year, $750 billion a year. We were still, uh, uh, you know, we we're still short of a trillion dollars. And that was like, our yep. minds were blown. To your point, we're gonna run potentially a $2 trillion deficit this this year. Um, yeah. It's completely unsustainable. And so I wanna come back to um, the, 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 the center, which is the family. Um, and it's yep. your advice to say, you know what, um, no matter how you look at it, whether it's in the next six months, maybe it's gonna be a year, depending on how, you know, Biden, tries to juice the economy or the Fed tries to juice the economy, regardless of when, it's going to happen. We're going to have a recession. It's probably going to be a little deeper than what we have felt in recent times. And as the advice that you're giving is hunker down, reduce your spending, try to put some cash in the bank, try to get some interest yep. on that cash so it's, you're not losing value because of inflation. But be prepared. Um, is that is that is that Daryl's advice today to our to our listeners and viewers? Yeah. And add yeah, anything it, it, else that you think we should be doing? No, I think you nailed it a hundred percent. I mean, um, obviously, all this is a probability, right? Yeah. To us, the highest yeah. probability is stagflation, so economic recession, high inflation, and I think the average American just needs to be aware that that is a very likely scenario, and you want to prepare for that. You you want to be more conservative you know, control your spending. Did you say a likely scenario for stagflation or or that's the least likely scenario? Oh, sorry. Most most likely scenario. Is stagflation? Yeah. Ooh. Okay. And and, and when do you think that this could happen? What is the time period you suspect that might happen? That's big news. Well, I, I think, you know, we are potentially sort of getting into it this quarter. Um, the wild card is government spending and whether can be an offset for the next couple quarters. But, you know, I, I think it's very likely we see this play out over the next year. So one other question for you too, Daryl. So a lot of people have their money in their pension or, you know, they're, they're, they don't control a lot of how they invest. But for those 
who are invested and control their money in the stock market, would you say it's better to be in cash now? Are you, do you, are you, at, you go like, listen, at 50% in cash where you're sitting in T-bills or well, you know, yeah, where, where are you at yeah, in the stock biggest, market? Yeah, so our biggest allocation um, is, is cash right now and, and probably will be there for a while. And part of it is is the cash is finally a decent alternative, right? T-bills get you, like to my point, T-bills get you 5%. Yeah. Not the best, but not terrible. Right. Um, but it, it, it's a good, people will realize that it's a good alternative to playing the, you know, what's become a bit of a casino in the U.S. stock market, right? So, which is really, which, which feels really risky, especially if you feel like there's a, uh, uh, a recession on the horizon. And, and Daryl, if, yeah. if you are working for a company that matches your, is like, they'll match your, um, contribution, are you better off, um, are you better off taking that money and yeah. still do that? Don't say yes to that. Daryl. I want to hear what Daryl has to say. No, I, yeah, I think you're still like it depends on your age, right? But I think you're still investing for the longer term, right? Like I, I do believe in, you know, if you're 30 and you're going to work for 35 more years. What if you're 50? You wanna... <laughs> Almost 52 years. I know some. <laughs> I'm a friend. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I'm 50 in a few months, so, but. I, you know, I, 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 you know, I am optimistic longer term about the U.S. US economy. I, I just think we have a tough year, two years, but what happens in these scenarios is you get change too, right? Uh -huh. And I, th I hope that we'll get change and we'll be just more responsible fiscally. And I think you know you could see sort of a new America. Not that this America is bad by any means, but you could see a new sort of. Oh no! You're no no no! It's bad. Yeah, I do remember too, Daryl, that when when um, in two thousand in 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 sixteen, people were going, "Oh, if Donald Trump's elected, the economy is going to go so bad, and like stock market's going to crash." And then he got elected, and and everything went up. Um, could that happen again? I, mean, I I guess I was really impressed when Donald Trump was elected and how quickly our economy got great. I mean, I think people forget about pre COVID; it was the best economy in my lifetime. Could that happen again? Or if we dug ourselves so deep into this situation and this debt um, and 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 so many of these policies that even if he is elected, it will take him, you know, longer than his term, his fourth term or whatever, or his first four years to, to get us out. What are your thoughts? Well, I, what I'll say about that is going into Trump being elected, we weren't sure either. Right. We were trying to figure out what would happen what changed our view on economic growth under trump was small business taxes right small business taxes going down and that was a huge catalyst right mm -hmm. um and there are different components to that but you know that really i think was what drove the initial part of his economy and then of course COVID happened which you know there's nothing he could do but you know the small business incentives taxes all that you know was just such an upside surprise in a positive way and you know that goes back yeah. to my earlier, earlier point. It's these people that sort of drive America and drive the American economy. And drill, 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 right? Well, dr drilling helps with inflation. Yeah. There's no question about it. Yes, it does. <laughs> and by the way, geopolitically, I mean, we look at this situation that we're in right now. I mean, this week, you hear a lot of people talking about war, war, war. I mean, I just go drill, drill, drill. I mean, 
a lot of this wouldn't happen if, you know, if we would be more powerful and we'd be able to, to, to control a lot of these situations better uh, globally if, if we were energy independent again. But yeah, I think that's spot on, you know, and, and but we, we've created a situation where we are still energy dependent on other people. So yeah, you know, I, I, I look at this. Donald, Donald Trump was not brilliant. He did the things that have always worked to grow economies. He's if we could lower some yeah. taxes and we could reduce, you know, rules and regulations, reduce the burden on uh, the businesses that create the jobs and opportunities in a society, amazing things will happen. Uh, he, did, if, he did think about things differently on trade, which did, I actually think were great. Th and then if you actually are a big socialist and you want to have high taxes and all this government control, those economies don't grow. I mean, it's we've we've seen this this play out through our economy yeah. and, and no, other well, economies. the socialists are doing it different this they're time. Different, right. so they're going to get it right this time, <laughs> Daryl. The commies are going to get it right yeah. this time. This is the one time it's actually going to work. But We've actually seen they've implemented it and it's actually not working. Listen, Dale Jones, it's been a pleasure to have you on really the great. table. Hedge yeah. eye management. Um, listen, I think that this is, these are trying and troubling times and it's a confusing time for so many Americans. And I think to kind of just simply break it down and give some, you know, simple but strong advice on what people can do to, to prepare for what may be inevitable, which as you mentioned, stagflation. But also a downturn in the economy is really helpful. Yeah, I appreciate that. Was definitely the Fox News alert for me on this. <laughs> what? No, I didn't have you repeat that. I, I, you know, it, it's it's. But I'm really glad that you're really honest with us, and I think our our listeners and our viewers are really grateful for that. Do you have just one last word that you want to leave us with? Yeah, I think it's it's uh, be optimistic as well. You know, a lot of this stuff when you're talking about what could happen over the next couple of years makes you feel pessimistic but the u.s economy will continue to grow there are a lot of great positives longer term about uh, you know about the economy and you know as a voter hopefully you still have the power to make changes and uh, you know i think that's an important thing too when you when you see that we're going down the wrong path you know i, I do think we have the potential to, to make that change in the ballot box i hope we still have that power daryl yeah <laughs> hope we still have that power uh Dale Jones, thank you so much, Thanks for, so much. for joining us. And uh, thank you. We're grateful. Have a good one. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned. Every baby is a miracle from God, worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. I mean, he's very measured. And I like that. And that's his personality. But I could see, you know, for those of you who are listening, uh, you know, who are listening audio, we have this on video as well. But, you know, I could see his face. You know, he's a mellow guy. He's a, you know, no fire alarms kind of guy. But you could see if you were watching him, he has deep concerns. Which and he's saying, let's be, you know, he, he doesn't like the doom and gloom. 
but he's deeply worried. And I think his advice was very sound. And it's something that we can all do. I mean, think about all the places that all of us um, can cut. And, you know, Sean and I were up last night talking about our gas, talking about what was happening. I have a buffet table that I really want to tips. And I know it's so great. And it just, I know it'll just make my room, this room that I'm working on come all together. And Sean's just like, that's just such a dumb idea, Rachel. And I have to say, usually I override those, those things. He thinks are dumb like that. Um, but Override means all of a sudden a buffet table shows up one day. And I'm like, I thought we were not going to do this. I know. But here's the thousand. But I know you're right. But, but, but you're right. It's, it's not, it's not um, it just makes sense so in I, this environment. So one of the things. And by the way, that hurts the company that's selling the buffet ter- table. So as we course. cut back, you know, in order to keep food on our table and, and, and make sure we have money saved in case stagflation comes, all these other companies are going to suffer too. Can I talk about another thing we've thought sure. about? So I love coffee and Rachel loves, uh, our house loves coffee. So my parents live with us and they're big coffee drinkers as well. So I have an espresso machine um, and I love Nespresso, right? And especially the ones that you do the milk with, the froth the milk and they're so good. So pricey. Um, but it's like a buck, it's like a buck and it ends up being a buck, buck 20 a pod. And I'm like, if you add it all up, it's like, we're spending, I, I, I was, I, I came to that just because I was like, well, a lot of people spend a lot you of know, money. money on a, on a, on a, um, a, a, a going to Starbucks. And it's cheaper than Starbucks. Well, you, if you cut back on your Starbucks, I mean, you, that turns into real yeah, money. There so are ways to cut small decisions of like, I started, like I made my, from the kitchen table coffee this morning. I grind, my, I ground the beans and I put it in my little filter, my little cone filter and it's great. And I'm so making that's how we're going to solve the problem. Coffee. You're no, you're no, no, no. Well, you're going you're going to cut back and you're going to grind and and do drip coffee and I'll keep the espresso and we'll cut the bill in half. And half. But I, I do think little things add up. actually yeah. matter. Um, and, you know, one of the things that we did this year, what did we do? Um, we used to have a, a, a guy, we used to take our dog to the groomer and we had a great groomer and he retired. He came to us. He said, this is the last time I'm doing the grooming. And, and the economy started to turn. And this is when we started to see inflation happening. And I said, you know what? And I went online and I bought all the tools for our... Actually, I think I went online and bought the tools. Well, I had the idea. You had the idea. I, I had the idea. Then you so did I, the so ordering. I think I, and now you and my, our son do, do it. And I, it saves us a lot of money. I think I spent 80 or $100 on the, the, the little... The, it was the, the grooming, what is it? The, 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 the what's it called? The, the electric, the electric groomer. I did that and then I bought the scissors. Um, and I'm saving money hand over fist. Now the Listen, dog, it dog costs is less, it costs less for you to buy what it took to groom the dog well, than it did to do one grooming yeah. session. So uh, the dog does not look as good. I'm just going to tell you, like, Skippy has, like, there's some hairs that are, like, Yeah, he's not a show dog, though. He's a, he's a mutt, so he's, it's okay. Yeah, and his feet get a little, like, hard. It's hard to get their feet when you do this. We should and do the, a, the professionals are better. Let's do a podcast on grooming Skippy. Um, and, and then the hate, the, the, trying to get the face equals a little challenging, but I'm like, I don't care. I'm saving money and I actually enjoy doing it. JP and I do it together. Yeah. Here all over. Actually, I think it's, it's good... less traumatic for Skippy to have you guys do it than once, you know, every couple months going to, you know, people he doesn't mean not even remember who they were. Um, and so anyway, I, I think that there are little things that we can Skippy. all. Can I say we're loose? What? We should eat twice a day, once in the morning, once at night. And in, in our house, it seems like people are feeding him. Like he's, he's, he wants to, he wants to 
Yeah, he, cool he hits people. Food. He acts like he's starving. He's starving. And he barks he at people who he thinks are going to give him food. And so we end up feeding them way more than he should. So he's but got I, I think this is going to... I want just a couple more points on what he said. Um, I think the the idea that if you're down, downgrading your house, like you're an empty nester and you want to downgrade, yeah. it sounded like he was saying this might be a good time. It was, it's not the peak time. The peak time was last spring and this past summer. But um, this might be a good time to to sell that home and then and then downgrade. But then I think your point was good too. If you need a house, um, don't wait until like the timing's perfect. Uh, get it now. And when rates are probably only going to go up, um, so if they ever do come back down, you can refinance. Well, you're like you're locking into a, a rate today, right? That seems really high because we're coming off at three percent mortgages. Yeah, it feels high at seven and a half percent. Well, if it goes to ten percent or twelve percent. That 7.5% mortgage rate that you have now is going to feel pretty good. And by the way, if rates go back down to, you know, 4.5%, you can refinance your mortgage and, you know, take advantage of those lower rates. So um, I, I, I think if you need a place, um, don't let the rate, I mean, the price of the house might be an issue for you. That's that's fair. But don't let the rates, I think, be uh, an impediment to, 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 to get in a place that you can afford that works for your family if the price is right. I spoke to Stu Leonard, who um, he comes on our show all the time on Fox and Friends. He he owns um, the grocery store, Stu Leonard's, uh, Leonard's, which is here in, in this area. And he told me that um, what he sees in the grocery store is one, people moving to, in the grocery, they're moving to, you know, um, non-brand, you know, generic items. But also he says they the economy does bad. You see potato sales go up. Mom, he said egg sales. He said, by the way, eggs are, have come down because a lot of, some of it was inflation, but some of it was this avian flu as well. Um, he said prices have come down a little bit. Even when they were high, it was still better, still a better, food. cheaper protein than, yeah. say, a steak. Um, so there, there are lots of things that we can do, you know, garbanzo bean, you know, beans. You talked to the, the CEO of, of Goya. Um, uh, Bob, you know, way, and he will tell you, you know, beans and rice are like the perfect food, you know, um, when people in Latin America have been surviving and thriving on, on that kind of diet for a long time. So there's a lot of things that we can do to conserve, especially if large families like ours, the food bills have been crazy. And so there are always ways, um, to do that, but this is the time to do it. Conserve, conserve. Think about, think about the pots, what he says is the likelihood of stagflation. And I mean, that really jarred me. And I don't think, well, listen, I, I would tell you this the same thing. Like, we don't have to like live like we're like- Church like, mice. Right, church mice. That's the phrase we use. We're not yes, sure. But, you know, we, we we can come back and we can be- Everyone And can. still feel like we're able to go to, you know, din- we don't go to dinner as much as we should, but we can go to a dinner here and there. We can we can do some different things, but also if we're smart about how we cut back, that matters. Even some, you know, we've, we've done, and I don't even know if you know this, our kids would eat a lot of cereal. Cereal is really expensive, especially yeah. when you have all these little kids that are eating cereal like all the time. We cut and that out. We cut this. I said it's just too expensive. One one box, five dollars. I, I mean, they, they go through it like one time. Yeah, like in one sitting. So yeah, I mean, there's they'll, they'll do oatmeal. Guess what's cheaper? Oatmeal, eggs, eggs toast. Yeah. Um. So they're having different like breakfast. Um, than having cereal and probably healthier, by the way, way healthier than all the way healthier than that garbage and that processed cereal. And then also, you know, you talked about, yeah, you can go out to dinner. So, you know, maybe you save that dinner, that little bit of time, you know, money that you have to go out to dinner for just you and your husband and just do more family meals. I mean, we eat, we are home cooked people. Like we like to cook at home, but 
that's the best thing you can do for your family anyway is have whole cooked meals. They're cheaper, they're more nutritious, and they actually have effects that you can't get um, from anywhere else, which is you bring your family together around the table, you create memories, you create bonding, you create really great habits. Um, all of it is so, it's so positive. Let's make sure we clear the record. When Rachel says we do a lot of cooking at home, what she really means is Rachel does a lot of cooking at home and I do a lot of eating Rachel's cooking yeah. at home. You know what's been great? Wow. Is my, since my, parent, my parents um, spend big chunks of time living with us and they're here now. And so the dad is really good. I, and so is your mom. My mom is amazing too. I mean, we've had some amazing meals. And that goes back to that whole homestead thing, Sean, that we were talking about. Or intergenerational when, living. And intergenerational living, which we think there's so much positive. We learn so much from them. They learn from us. Uh, Rachel's mom the, has said she's going to leave soon. And I'm like, no, you're not. I mean, you're staying here with me. You like, know, your dad, your, your dad can go home, but I'm like, I'm keeping your mom. She's a great little. It's true. We're going to do a, we're going to do a podcast on, you know, the secrets of, of a big family. I'm going to give one small secret um, for from Ooh. before we do that, that podcast. The secret to having a lot of kids is when you wake up, the first thing after you, you know, get them off to school, pray with them, get them out the door um, is you think what's for dinner. For dinner. It's the first thing you have to think about, because if you don't get that figured out early, um, your whole day slips away. And, and when everyone comes home, everything falls apart. And one of the great things about having my parents here is, and it's not even like we go today is you to tomorrow's me. It just seems to naturally synergistically happen where they're like making something. And I'm like, Today I don't have to make dinner, and then I got up this morning and I put the the the, the meat to uh, to get ready because we're going to do a stew. And now I was doing the podcast, so I just before the podcast set the recipe to my dad. I said I I chopped up everything. All you have to just put it in the pot, you know, for two and a half hours, and so that gets a lot easier too. But it has been wonderful having them here because that one thing that I have to get done every single day is dinner. It's, I'm, I'm getting a little help and with we, So that's my, we, but we have, we're getting more, I have more tips. We're going to do that we in another episode. We have some farmers near us that, that sell meat. And so we had this, what you're cooking today is a little lamb that we bought. Yeah. Um, and it's, it, I'm it's doing really, a Basque lamb stew, but, which but is the simplest yeah, but, but it's also, it's, it's really healthy. Super healthy. where it's being raised and it's also less expensive than buying it in the store. Yeah. And I'm helping out local farmers, which I think is really and important. And nobody so. makes better Spanish rice than my mom, mom to go with that stew. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, thank you all for joining us on uh, the kitchen table. I think this is a really important topic. And I think all of us thinking through and planning um, about what could come and making sure our families are safe and our finances are strong really matters. We appreciate it. Um, yeah, it you takes all the anxiety out of what's ahead. It really does. It takes some, of, some it of it out. Yeah. Um, if you like our podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. You can find us wherever you get your podcast, but you can always find us at foxnewspodcast.com. Uh, you can listen to ad free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad free on the Amazon Music app, too. So it's all good stuff. Uh, yeah, definitely subscribe. You'll get alerts. alerts. It'll tell you what the, you know, yeah, it'll tell you what's coming up. And if it's a topic you like, you can, you know, download it before you take that flight or getting it when that when you on your drive to work, um, get the get the subscription. It and just also, helps. By the way, if you're new to the kitchen table, we have great episodes over the last what two, three years. Go back. Great Go topics. back. Evergreen. Check yeah. them out. All right, All right. everybody. Till next time. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye bye.
Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com.